Hey, Chris. Yep. Is there a crack in your foundation? I don't think so. Let's pop a top on this. <sighs> Give <the> music. Yes! <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. Oh, he's on it! stole it. <laughs> There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword, gather your strength What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. I'm joined by the sultry sounds of Sonny. Oh, God. I like, I like that, Carl. <laughs> sultry. Mike's back with us again. Hello, guys and gals. After a brief hiatus of unsuccessfully floating his resume to other podcasts, <laughs> my long-lost friend Chris is back. Yeah, can't keep me away, man. I'm like a bad penny. <laughs> so what you're saying, up. the rumors of him quitting are greatly exaggerated. Greatly, greatly exaggerated. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Came from Carl. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> well, I was just saying, I, I dead panned over at him. <laughs> You're listening to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries. You want to set the level for us, Chris? It's been a while. Yeah, sure. Why do bicycles fall down? I got nothing. I got nothing. Don't look at me. Because they're too tired. You never let us down. I no. know. You never let us down. No. I got another one in case that one flopped, but I'll save it for next week. <laughs> Have you got a book of these at home or what? No, I mean, I, I gather them from, from different. Well, I've been out in a lot of places. I've never gathered jokes like that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one thing that I that I have useless up here. So it reminds, it reminds me of the jokes my son used to tell when he was a kid, like where do cows go on Friday night? Oh man, I should know that one. It's a cow. It's a cow reference. <laughs> I know a lot of those. <laughs> I, I, I don't no, know. No, no. They go to the movies. The movies. Oh, see, <laughs> I've heard that. Laugh. I've heard that same one only different. So well, mine, like, mine's better. It is. It is. Because yeah. <laughs> Mine's why do the why do the why does cow to why do cows go to the theater to see a movie? Yeah, <laughs> it's my daughter's favorite one. I love it. So this week we're going to start a new Bible study series on foundations. Last week I said we were going to call it Lawgiver. It's basically the same, but he's kind of redirected my focus on it a little bit. So foundations. But before we drop the needle on that, I want to lead off with our opening discussion on success. More specifically, how it is that success can mislead or even lie to us. Before we talk about that, I want to give a biblical example. So there was a king in Judah named Ahaz, and he was pretty wicked. But he reigned during the time period when Isaiah was prophesying. So Isaiah was one of his advisors. And throughout, the Most High consistently attempted, yeah, I heard that swallow. (laughs) Sorry. You tried so hard. You leaned so far away from the I mic. I do. I lean so did. far away, but you just, you hear it. Sorry. No, you're good. I don't even think I can try to swallow that hard. Well, it's either. <laughs> like I it's can't, either, it's I can't either. over-exaggerate it. Well, much. like, I think maybe it's because I'm trying to make it quiet. <laughs> quiet. It's so bad. But my problem is, is it's either you're going to get, because I'm trying to sip it, mm-hmm. or you're going to get, because I'm, cause I'm trying to, either way, you're going to hear me drinking. Sorry. <laughs> 
Just keeping it real, right, Chris? Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, always. So the Most High tried and tried and tried to warn Ahaz to return to him. But we're told in the text that Ahaz just wouldn't give him his whole heart. And there's a point where we're told, I'm going to read this actually. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 28. I'm actually just going to read it out. It's starting in verse 18. It says, The Philistines had invaded the cities of the lowland and of the Negev of Judah and had taken Beth Shemeth, Ajalon, Gedaroth, and Soko with its villages, Timnah, and with its villages, and Gimzo with its villages, and they settled there. For Yahweh humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had brought about a lack of restraint in Judah and was very unfaithful to Yahweh. So he had been warned repeatedly to return and to give the Most High his whole heart, and he refused. So God brings discipline. That's what this is. He's correcting Ahaz to try to get his attention. And then we're told this. Although Ahaz took a portion out of the house of Yahweh and out of the palace, so out of the temple, of the king and of the princes and gave it to the king of Assyria, it did not help him. So Assyria was sent to invade and he's, rather than seeking the most high, he tries to pay the Assyrians off. He even takes articles out of the temple to do it and it doesn't work. Now in the time of his distress, this same king Ahaz became yet more unfaithful to Yahweh. So instead of repenting, he doubles down. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him and said, and this is the important part to me, because the gods of the kings of Aram helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they became the downfall of him and all Israel. That's where I'm going to stop. Rather than recognizing the discipline that the Most High was bringing upon him for refusing to repent, he identified the success that his enemies had from his worldly perspective. And he ignored the fact that they had success because the Most High was using them to discipline him but he just wanted the success. He coveted the success. So he chased, in his chase for success, it led him into idolatry. And I think that's the danger here, and that's why I wanted to use this example. His, his chase for success was so polluted and so corrupted that he was willing to worship false gods and walk away from the Most High to get the success that he saw these pagans have. I think that pretty much runs rampant right now in this world. Yeah, that's why I wanted to open it up for a discussion for you guys. How does that, how does that affect us today? And we may not be bowing down to, to Assyrian idols, but how does success mislead us in the same way that it misled Ahaz? I think we bow down to another idol, and it's the almighty greenback dollar mm -hmm. or the Cadillac Escalade, not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> whatever it might be that you idolize that you know you have to have because, or you think you have to have because— People of the world have the same thing. You know, we see it, I see it a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of TV evangelists that, are, that have gone astray or tr and they've done so for, for the, the almighty dollar, you know, by the private jet, not behaving properly, not being biblical. But man, they're big and they're rich and they're doing anything they want. Now, some people will say, well, why would God not allow them to do that? But I can't think of one that's gone who has done that that's still as big or as rich as they once were. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a firm believer that God will correct those situations. But what's more important than that is the people that are looking to them for guidance, unfortunately, in my opinion, are, are 
focusing on the wrong person for guidance. Right. They're not the, the people up there preaching are not, is not God. God is God. And if you put your faith and hope, just like people of old did in the Pharisees, they were righteous. So their hope was with, with, was within, you know, with them instead of with our father in heaven. And, uh, Boy, I'll tell you, it's messed up. It, it's pretty rampant in this country. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the Western world because we just want more and more and more and more. Our, cult, our culture is built around covetousness. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, well, they call it the American dream, though. Yeah. Sanitize it. Mm-hmm. So it seems okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the American dream is come in with nothing, go out with everything. But if you've got, if you haven't got God, what have you got? What have you got? Have you ever seen somebody take a U-Haul to a grave? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> nobody. You're not leaving with anything, brother. That's yeah. the way it is. Yep. If your heart's yeah. not right with Jesus and you're, you're not going to heaven, that gold-plated casket you're in, that's, that's, that's your final reward. There's right. nothing after that. Yep. Right. I, think you, I think you kind of touched on it. But so when this – when and those are good points that we, we shouldn't look at other people's success and, and covet that. But when I – when Carl first proposed this to me, to the to the group, I I took it, and this is from a personal standpoint, of success in your life doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's God's success, right? Mm-hmm. So, in 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 my in my walk in my example, you know, I had I had walked away from God, and I had this pressing on my life of what's the purpose of it what's the meaning i think i've shared that before of my of of, of my walk and 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 that's what i would tell myself well i have a good job i have a savings account it's not the biggest but i have one i have a loving wife i have a beautiful child good family good friends all these things that that every even though they're not I have a, a, a running car. I have a, a house that has heat. You know, I have food on the table. All the things that everything in life would tell you, hey, you're you're better off than the next person or you're successful in life, right? What what we call a successful adult, right? Mm-hmm. You're contributing to society. You're not a layabout or whatever. That all means nothing if you don't have, like you said, God in your life. Right. If you're not, I mean, even, even a, a family means nothing at the end of the day. If you aren't leading that as, as, as the father, as the husband leading that family to God with God, right. All that stuff's going to fall away. So I think that's the, that's where it came into my head where success isn't always given by him. Right. Your your successes can be your downfalls if you're not pursuing him. I agree with you, Chris. I think the other problem is how we define success. Mm-hmm. Okay, people look at a, a family that is loving, kind, following Jesus, but you know they don't go on vacations. They don't have a brand new car. They kind of live in a moderate home. The world will view them as unsuccessful. But through the grace of God and Jesus, they are very successful because they are rooted. Mm-hmm. Jesus is their Savior and Lord. That's success. 
but the but the world doesn't view that as as success. I know I was on the other end. I I was very accomplished, we'll say, and did very well. And man, I thought I had everything. I had the world by the tail. Mm-hmm. Wanted for nothing, but really had nothing of substance. I didn't value the important things in life. And I'm not saying God caused me to medically fall, but that fall, looking back on it, was a huge correction to my life and my lifestyle. What did it do? Well, I lost everything, but I became a stay-at-home dad. I got to do things that dads don't typically get to do. Once I got healthy enough to get out of the house, I became a room dad, a party dad at the school. You know, I I got to spend all my time with my family. And over that time, I began to evaluate my life and what it stood for. And what it stood for prior to what happened to me was just material. I could have died right then and I I would have never gone to heaven. Mm -hmm. I think about all the loved ones that I know that had accepted Jesus as their Savior, that are going to heaven. I'm looking forward to the day I get to see them again. But the ones that didn't, I'll never see again. And that breaks my heart. It really does. I mean, we've got to do a better job of of living for Jesus Mm -hmm. in this country. I think you're starting to see a little bit of movement out there on this. I think people are becoming aware a little bit more. I really do. I think there's an awakening. I agree. I see signs of it. I don't want to call it the great awakening because that's a coined phrase in history. But, <laughs> you know, um, I think I, th- I think something's happening. It's stirring out there. I've seen a lot more people that I never thought would ever understand what, you know, God is, what he does, and who he is. And uh, there's there's been a lot of people I've seen that have awoken, mm-hmm. have started understanding, started searching. And um, I've I've actually had a really big problem with this here lately because I've been beating myself up about um, not using my money wisely, being um, kind of uh, carefree right now. Um, and uh, the... I, some people might look at it at it as glamorous or you know like i like my vehicles i like my trucks mm-hmm. <laughs> i've i've put a lot of work into them um but that that was kind of the way that i was raised you know we worked on vehicles we tried to make them nice we we did those things together that was our family stuff you know what i mean yeah um and um here lately um you know i've i've been putting a lot of time an effort into one of my, uh, my little S 10. And, uh, you know, it's been my, my getaway from making sure that I stay sober. You know, it's my getaway from, you know, um, sorry, missing my dad. Um, but, uh, you know, every time I'm out there working on that thing, I like, he's there, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, but I, I, 
I, I don't know whether or not it's me trying to heal from those things and the enemy knows that mm-hmm. and is trying to make me feel guilty for them because um, I've, I've, I've felt like crap about it. You know, I felt like I haven't been spending my time wisely or I haven't been doing the things that I need to do for, for God or for the podcast or for, you know, being with the brothers or, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's things that I've, I've, uh, been kind of dealing with here lately. Uh, But, um, this, the, the topic kind of got to me because that's, kind of what I've been going through. Yeah. You know, and uh I've I've 7 years ago whenever I came up to Columbia area, I had a duffel bag. I had a duffel bag full of clothes. Um you know, I I started out moving furniture for a living. I started out, you know, making I think it was 11.50 an hour, you know, and and then I started working my way up back up to and getting into my welding career. And so I kept working up, kept working up, kept moving forward. And now I'm in a position to where I'm, I'm a maintenance mechanic and I do pretty well and I've worked my way up and God's blessed me in that. And I know that's God because if it was me, then I would still be drinking and, screwing up jobs, not showing up and everything else. So, you know, God took that, that, um, that part out of my life. He took that, that addiction away from me because I don't, I don't even want it anymore. And, uh, you know, one way or another, I need to, I need to step back, look at my, my situation and start using it for the good instead of using it for self stuff. And I've done it a lot here lately, but I use excuses <laughs> yeah. and say that I'm, I'm doing it because, you know, of this or that or the other, but I need to start it really readjusting and, and refocusing on, on what's important. And, uh, that kind of, it, it's been hard to do because, you know, everything, everything's new to me. Yeah. You know, this whole lifestyle, this whole thing. And, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a process. It's been, it's been kind of hard to just sit back and wonder what, what do I do next? Where do I go next? How, where do I focus next? And, uh, I, I know my focuses here lately haven't been completely on what God wants me to do because believe me, he's, he's, should I say chastising me for it? I know I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, there's little hints here and there there's feelings and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I know that I know that he's correcting me. So it's, it's a process and, you know, I have to sit down and be like, Hey, my bad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let me, let me readjust. Let me rethink. Let me, uh, refocus. So, but that's been the, that's been the, kind of deal I would say for the past two to three months and I, whenever you gave us the topic I was just like oh 
Do we have to? <laughs> Carl, man, dang it. Because it seriously, I mean, it, it, almost every single time, every single time we do this, it, it's something I need to hear or I need to work on or I need to understand. He's and, good like that. Isn't yeah. He? Man, and, yeah. You know, and that's the thing. That's why I look forward to this. And then we miss a couple of times. And I'm just like, oh, and I go crazy. Well, <laughs> he looked right at Chris when he said we miss a couple yeah, of times. Sorry. Well, I mean, so so let me let me throw this out there, Sonny. You know, you said that you know you go to, and 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 I think humans do this that we go to what we know as our therapy. Right. So working on cars is your therapy. Somebody's artwork might be therapy, but you know, with him, with him telling you this and through the stories that I hear from, from the other podcast of, you know, you ordered parts and they're wrong or you do this or you do that. You know, I think that's God's way of telling you that, you know, your hands can be busy with this, but your heart's going to heal here with me. Yeah. Make sure you heal your heart here. Keep your hands busy, yeah. but your heart, needs to be with me. Right. Yeah. So I think that's where people get confused with, well, you know, maybe, you know, I'm doing this, but you know, maybe I should be focusing on God. Well, I think, you know I mean? I think it's good for us, our hands to be busy, but our hearts and minds need to heal through him. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, you know, and jumping off from that too. I think that, um, I had a thought in my head. Let me, let me formulate it a little bit. And um, I'll use this kind of as a, as a, a, um, an analogy, right? So, and it's kind of, it's funny because it's truck related, right? So I had a coworker that, um, you know, I drove my truck to work here the other day, which I don't normally do. And normally I drive that beater. You guys have seen it. And he goes, Hey, when'd you get that truck? I was like, well, I got it, you know, about a year ago. I just don't drive it much trying to, keep mileage off it and he goes man that's a really nice truck i'd really like to have a truck like that i said yeah it's a nice truck i said uh you know yeah you know my wife me me and her we we sat down and we made a game plan and we came up with a savings plan and you know i so so i proceeded to tell him like for 10 years i drove a salvage title nissan Sentra, which you know the listeners can't see me I'm not Nissan Sentra sized. <laughs> <laughs> For ten years, I crammed myself into a Nissan Sentra. So what you're saying, you were like a bear on a tricycle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, but that's the unpolite way to say it. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah well, but, sorry, Chris. I didn't mean to be no, you're fine. No, I, I've just tried to help out. For definitely. You. Audio I mean, only. I thought it gets some visual. You ought to see me when I locked my keys in it one time. I was like a bear trying to open up. Like you ever see those nature shows? So they rock the, the bears car. trying to like get in the car. Like I'm literally doing that with a door. Like, so anyway, yeah. So, um, so I, then, then, but I'm, but the bottom, the bottom line was, was the plan to get to that point took work and right. time. And that's where people, they covet the success of other people, you know, in their walks or their ministries or whatever it may be, but they don't understand that it took time and sacrifice and work to get to that point. It's not, it's not like not very often do you see God just snap his fingers and give something to somebody. And then that's, that's their light to shine to the world, right? That, that took time to build up that fire started from an ember and built into a flame for everybody to see. It wasn't something that 
was just given to people right now. Now their natural talents, those can be given, but it still takes time to, to build that kind of success. Well, I think of that, Chris, I think you're absolutely right because I'm guilty of that. Um, Our society is now built on instant gratification. Oh yes. There is no more long-term, you know, it's, build this, let's build it, let's do it right. You know, I want it and I want it now because that's what the world says I I, I need. Mm-hmm. I think of what you said, you know, it, it took time. And the thing kept coming to my mind was Jesus talking about the, the uh, fruit trees. When you plant a fruit tree, you know, Bob, Brother Bob yeah. was talking about, it, it takes years for that fruit tree to put out good fruit. Mm-hmm. So if if you're new in the walk, you're you're a twig in the ground, brother. Mm-hmm. You need to be watered. You need to be cared for, mm-hmm. so that when you do grow, you grow and give proper fruit. Yeah. So I'd like to think of myself as a yearling. Sometimes <laughs> I don't. I don't have a yearling I'm shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's probably closer to really what I yeah. sprout. Mm. Yeah, so, it's usually it's about the fourth year. Yeah. When, you, so, when you're dealing with fruit trees, if if the conversation, if I remember what one you're talking about, the first yeah. three years, you don't you don't get good fruit. The first year you don't get any. Even if yeah. even if you get any at all. Right. I'm yeah. not saying God can't give good fruit in the first year to a new tree. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he tends to take his time, his plan to build something that's beautiful and ready to go. Right. That's just the way he operates. Yeah. And well, that's you know, and that's what you know, and so I was kind of, kind of round this back to, you know, so like you, you talk about that duffel bag, Sonny, and where you're at now, if God were to take you back to that duffel bag and that's all you had in the world, but you had him in his heart. Now, are you in a position to say, I'm thankful for this opportunity? Like, oh, I would, I would it would be would, hard. Yeah. Right? I'd be mad about it, but I would but, probably do it because I've been there so many times. Right. But that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you touched on it in the, which would been the last one that was aired, which will be a couple of episodes behind now is, and and I think it came from brother Bob was, you know, if you took all that stuff away, would you still be thankful for the opportunity? And I think that's where if we build up, then we can, if we get knocked down, we can always build back up from where we were knocked down and, you know, instant gratification comes into where, you know, I feel like instant gratification leads to instant disposal. So it's in in, in today's world, today's, today's world. I mean, yeah, everything's built for instant gratification. I want this, I want this washing machine and I want it now and I want it cheap. When you buy a $150 washing machine now, it's going to last you a year and you're going to throw it away. And you're going to go buy another $150 washing machine, right? Yeah. Whereas if you take the time and you order the right one and you spend a little bit more time researching and a little bit more money, a little bit more effort, mm-hmm. you get a lot better machine that's going to last a lot more years, right? So it's funny if you, you, you build the foundation right there, right? If you just, if you're sitting there, God, I want this and God, I want that. God, I want this. God, I want that. And you don't put any work or any effort or any or any research or anything into it, then you're apt to to turn around and be mad and throw God away and say, well, you didn't give me this and you're not giving me this and you're not giving me this. The genie thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's not, that's not, and that's why I think it's like, you know, a lot of, 
new Christians will do that. They'll see people that have success and, and here they are being told, well, if you believe enough and you tithe enough, God will, God will bless you and you'll be successful. That's yeah. not always the case. Not, it's, no. <laughs> it's, and, you don't put in just to get out. That's not the way yeah, it works. Right. And I think a lot of that is taught in our churches today. You know, they're always having a fundraiser for this, that, or the other. It's God's money, all of it, to start with anyway. Right. Okay? And, you know, people say, well, I give my 10%. Well, that's that 10% is actually from the Old Testament. If you want to give what Jesus said, that's everything you own, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I don't see anybody signing up for that. Well, and that's, you know, that's a principle that's throughout Scripture anyway. You know, the 10% was temple-related or right. priesthood-related, but he always, you know— when he was trying to draw people to himself, he always expected them to give all of themselves. You know, if he, he, he doesn't share a space. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. He wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want a fraction of you. He doesn't want three quarters of you. He wants all of you. And he's, he's going he's gonna to work us until he gets us to a decision point. You know, you, you know, Mike, you talked about, you know, the issues that you've had, you know, right. your, your, your past success and, and what kind of brought you to that decision point. No, oh. he's going to, he's going to try to do it the easy way, yeah, but well, he's going to do it one way or the other. He's going to get you to a decision point. When you get there, you have one of two choices that you can make. You can be like King Ahaz and you can double down on your sin because you worship the success so much. That's where or I you was. Can, you can recognize, like you said, Sonny, you can recognize the correction. Because yeah. that, that was a key thing that I think you said is you recognize it. You know, things yeah. aren't bad. Success isn't bad. Ahaz's success wasn't bad. It was his worship of success that was bad. It was the fact that his right. success caused him to stop hearing the voice of God. Yeah. That was the problem. And that's why his yeah. success was stripped from him. You know, something yeah. I taught at men's group on Saturday, we were talking about prayer. And something I've started doing, because I heard in a devotional, and it, 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 it's hard to do, believe it or not. And it's super easy to say, but hard to do. I have focused away from asking because he already knows my desires and what I need, what I want. I'm focusing more on th- being thankful for what I do have and listening, silence, just stop talking and wait and hear from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that says, you know, that's a, easy to do. It sounds easy to do, but I sit there in silence and, mm-hmm. and not want to say something more. Is really hard to do. I've been practicing it and practicing it and practicing it. I'm getting better at it, but I still find myself, oh, by the way, P.S., you know, one more thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think <laughs> yeah. people can learn to sit there and just be quiet. And, I, you know, I always say I'm, I'm coming. I, I'm here. I, I want to fellowship with you. And I'm going to be quiet. That's how I try to shut my own mouth. I think that in my head. Be quiet. Let him speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit come speak to you. And it, 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 it's, a, it's a lot harder than it, than it sounds. Because, you know, the human mind is really hard to quiet. Mm. Yeah. And that's where the focus on Jesus comes in. You know, Ron, silent Ron, I was really down in the mouth over this engine because I had all this money tied up in this car and, I don't have the funds like I used to. And uh, he he walked over to me and says, Mike, he said, this is nuts and bolts. Your heart is something else. Do not let the enemy win over nuts and bolts. 
Jesus will make sure that you have what you need when you need it. No truer words have been spoken to me in a while. And uh, it kind of brought me back down to earth. You know, I talk a lot, I use the analogy of guardrails. My brothers in Christ are my guardrails in life. I'm not, I'm, I bounce off of them a lot, <laughs> as Carl can tell you. Yeah. Um, but they're there because God put them in my life, in my path, to keep me on the road. Because I'm going to run off the road, and my guardrails are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have got to learn to be transparent. I was once a very haughty person. I didn't want you to know anything that was bothering me. I told the story the other day on the podcast about not having enough money with me at the store, and some guy behind me picked it up. The old Mike, oh, man, no way would I have allowed that to happen. But it happened, and I let it happen. Because I think God has also been working on me to be humble. Mm-hmm. You know, these podcasts are real important to me. I really enjoy doing them. It's a chance to get out there and tell the world the good news and help them understand things that took me forever to understand. Yeah. Still learning. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Still learning every, every day. day. So, but with that, I had to make sure I did not put my pride into it. What I wanted for success, mm-hmm. you know, I want it to be huge. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Well, that may may not be what God wants. He may want it to say right where it is. We're touching a select few people out there that he's working on, and he's using this maybe, maybe, as a vehicle to get to mm-hmm. them. Yeah, his plan over our plan. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where success gets in the way yep. of his plan. Sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. we conflate our plans with his plans too yeah. often because right. we want things for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I ask for discer- discernment of my plan over his all the time. Yep. Please show me it's your plan, not my plan. It's hard to do. It's very hard. Did you have something you wanted to add, Sonny, before we wrap this top half up? Uh, it was just kind of, I don't know. I kind of made a little click in my mind saying, uh, you know, the 10% thing. Um, what is the percentage that we use of our mind? 10%. 90% of our brain we don't use. Uh, let me restate that. 90% of the brain is unused through the conscious mind. Right. You know, God uses that other 90%. And the 10% that we have, he wants you know, so that's an that, awesome connection. That's kind of where I went with that. And the, you know, 10%, I mean, everybody always talks about money. Everybody always talks about tithing and offerings and, and stuff like that. And that, I think that maybe those, those scientists that figured out that we only use 10% of our mind, that's that 10%. That's what we're supposed to be giving. Wow. You know, so I never thought about that. Yeah. I never put those two together. I don't know. I just kind of had a light bulb that was just like, ping. <laughs> I thought I saw something. And it was above. bright. <laughs> I thought I saw something above your head. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just kind of had that thought and I was just like, man, that's, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, but. I'll just close it up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks, guys. Cans, <laughs> everybody. Springs. Well, here, let me let me do this too. <laughs> Sounding good, Sonny. You guys are killing me. <laughs> I, read well, a- I think that bothers him just as much as it bothers Ron when we time date something. Oh yeah, I, the oh, look on his yeah. face every time I do it. Well, we don't do this, but we're gonna. I guess we did it. So yeah. <laughs> I read the bully, Ron. Ronnie. I read a quote recently, and it said, "Success is adding value to your to yourself. Significance is adding value to others." Mm. Oh, to make that a little more biblical, I'd change that just a bit. And I'd say worldly success is choosing or I'm sorry, worldly success is chasing after things and praise for yourself. Godly significance is seeking after the eternal good for others to his praises, even at your own expense, even at your own expense. And that will bring biblical success. That's good. We need to get that right because getting that wrong will lead to a cracked or a misplaced foundation. And that's a really good segue into our main topic this week. But first, we're going to take our break. And while we do that, we're going to play our featured song for the week, which is Narrow Path by Mike Maranatha. Hope you enjoy it. Be sure and stick around. We'll talk at you in a few. Swing in his rain, claiming a name, narrow path, that's rugged terrain. See, I was drugged and insane, till his spirit came in a message, tamed everything in my brain, been changed, man, and it ain't the same. Not big tuck, but it's not a stain, like big buck, but he paid the price with a sacrifice. Spirit slain and owe me, lay the ice in the grave, now praise the Christ. Can I follow law? Obedience to Father, y'all. Don't care what y'all be saying, cause I don't follow y'all. Free, free from blame, no chains, the sin drain, new membrane, no shame in me, game, no Christian, I'm a Nazarene, not serene, but I got his peace. Whole thing, yeah, not a Peace and I'm sold out in this praying, it's not gonna cease, yeah. On that narrow path, staying on that narrow path. On the broad way to hell, they living very fast. On that narrow path, staying on that narrow path. Slow it down, stick around and get the last laugh. On that narrow path, on that narrow path. On the broad way to hell, they living very fast. On that narrow path, on that narrow path. On that narrow path, that narrow, that narrow path. Narrow is the gate. 
And we are back again. That was Narrow Path by Mike Maranatha. Like we said, we're starting a brand new Bible study series, a multi-part series that I'm calling Foundations. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read a text from Ephesians. This will kind of be our anchor text defining our study moving forward. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, and it says this, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. I'm not going to read them, but two other verses, there are several, but two other verses that portray Messiah as the cornerstone are Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, and Acts chapter 4, verse 11. So before we start, I'm going to ask, what is the importance of a solid foundation? Why is a solid foundation important? Well, you've so, done concrete work, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, without it, the building that you build on top of it is is likely to fail. So you do all this hard work putting this beautiful building on top of something that's going to shift. And the one thing that doesn't shift in our life is the good word of Jesus Christ. So that foundation has to be strong to, to be able to withstand the ups and downs of life. The wind, the rain, snow, whatever it might be, if you build it where it shifts, then it's all going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So you better you better build it on something that's constant, never never changing. So, I like the use of the word shift there. So a solid foundation keeps you from shifting. Yes. Before we you know came back from our break, we had a sidebar conversation on the moral shift that we've seen in, in society, and I I believe that's because we've. We've allowed our, our proper biblical foundation to crack her. We've been displaced. You wouldn't see this. You wouldn't see this moral shift in society if we were built upon the foundation that Paul's talking about here. That's where I was going to go, Carl. I don't think our foundation's cracked. I think what we're building on is not the rock. I would agree. I think the foundation is still just as strong as it ever was, but we've chosen to build on lesser. So therefore... It's cracking, yeah. Not not our true foundation. Well, I would say, and and notice what Paul, and we'll get into this in the text. We're going to be in Matthew chapter seven, verses fifteen through twenty-seven today. Before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about foundations. But you notice here in this reference that that I pulled up from Ephesians that he defines the foundation here. The foundation itself is the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus is the cornerstone. There's a difference between your foundation oh, yeah. and your cornerstone, big time. I think. You know, there's three elements that are required for a, a, a solid foundation. Your location, where you're building, your design, how you're designing your building, and the material you're using. I was just going to say, I, I think we're, I mean, we keep saying we, we build a solid foundation, solid foundation. I think it's, I was going to say, I think we forget that not all foundations can be built exactly the same depending on where you're at. But they all are foundations. So building the right foundation yes. is important. Well, I think Carl made a good distinction when he said the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. The idea of the cornerstone from ancient times, that was the main rock that everything was built off of yes. for the foundation. The foundation is worthless without a cornerstone. Now, we've since changed building techniques, but the imagery is still there. The cornerstone was set in place at the right place at the right height 
to go forward with the foundation of the building. Say, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, it was also what was used to measure everything from. That's yep. it's the starting it was, point, right? So it, yeah, so you know. measuring everything, squaring everything, right? Squaring, yes. Yeah, you know, understanding. You know, I mean, whenever you just kind of whatever, but squaring stuff, you know, you go from corner to corner. Mm-hmm. And once you build something, you start going out and then you have to square everything and, you know, make sure everything is aligned, aligned just right to where your building's going to go up correctly. Yes. And that cornerstone is always going to be our word. Do we check our word? Do we check our life with our word? And that is the cornerstone there. It's just like a boundary marker, a marker, you know, all the line, all the whole country is set up on boundary markers. We have to be able to have a point of reference and Jesus is that cornerstone as the point of reference. Yeah. Yeah. Context is important to understand what Paul, Peter and Isaiah mean by referencing Messiah as the cornerstone. You have to understand how they use cornerstone. So I'm glad you brought that up. And and that word you use, Sonny, is perfect. You square it. The cornerstone squares your, your building project. Jesus isn't the foundation itself. Right. His teachings are. Jesus is the cornerstone that you align to. So there's a couple ways you can have a bad foundation or a faulty foundation. You can build out of alignment with the cornerstone. So you're building in faith to him, but you're not aligned to him. So you're not squared. You're not Mm -hmm. squared up. Or you can build with material that he didn't tell you to build with. Right. So you're not following Mm -hmm. after the teachings that, that Jesus tells us to follow after. Right. You can be, you can, you can, you can square yourself, but if you're using bad material, material. it's, it's still going to lead to a building that shifts or a, a, a moral compass that shifts to, to use another analogy. Mm-hmm. So I guess my next question is, have we shifted or drifted from a solid biblical foundation? Have the, have not, not non-believers. I'm not talking about non-believers. We know they're, they're, they're not even on the cornerstone. Right, so it doesn't matter what they build with. They're not on the cornerstone, so they're not, they're not going to build a solid, a solid structure anyway. The church, believers, have we drifted from a, a solid biblical foundation? You know, I just had this debate with, or again, I use the word debate, but that's simply not, we didn't debate, we discussed the law given prior to Jesus coming and with my wife last night, and we were talking about you know, some of the things you're not supposed to eat or some of the things that, you know, we don't really observe the Sabbath. Missouri was one of the last states in the union that had the blue law. No shopping or anything on Sunday. Now, Sunday, the true Sabbath, we can get this later on that. Yeah, we might do a whole episode on that, but... But anyway, For those of you listening, Chris and I have done an ep- a couple episodes on that, and it's actually available at the Broken Record Ministries podcast now. It's before we join, but it's it's a two-part study called Who's Mark? But go ahead. Actually, I'm completely lost now. <laughs> you were talking about the Sabbath. You, you were oh, talking yes. with your wife. Missouri was the last state to yeah, incorporate thank you, the law. Because um, Jesus said, I did not come to replace the law. I, I came to fulfill it. When's the last time anybody in this room heard that talk anywhere? Mm. And for me, it's a quite a quandary because I'm not sure I enjoy a good pork steak. I got to be honest, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I like my pork rinds. But am I out of alignment with the cornerstone? 
I don't know. I just don't know. I understand the Sabbath. That's that, that's that's from Genesis. I mean, that's all the way back. Yeah, that one to me is not open for discussion. No, the dietary stuff is is a debate I don't like getting into very often, um, and we're not going to do it today. But every argument I've heard against the Sabbath is just not good. Every time I've listened to a theologian or a, a Bible professor or a pastor argue about why we why we as Christians should ignore the Sabbath is not good. The last argument I heard was the the whole purpose of the Sabbath was to teach us how to separate from sin. The Sabbath to teach Jews how to separate from sin specifically. The Sabbath goes all the way back to creation week before there was right, sin. Right, sin hadn't even entered into the the equation yet he when he established the, the Sabbath, earth. and he made it very clear that the whole purpose of the Sabbath was as a reminder that he's our creator. And if that's not applicable to you as a Christian today, I don't know what would be. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, I didn't mean to open up a can of worms on that. But, uh, you know, as a Christian, I have questions that I don't have answers to, that I go to him in prayer and ask for my mind and heart to be open to understanding. And I think a lot of people, that's where the shift comes in. Like I just said, I love pork steaks, barbecued. Mm-hmm. how many people out there that are Christians don't want to give up something like that mm-hmm. now, I'd give it up if I was convicted right give right. it up on the spot but I haven't been convicted of it yet thank goodness I think, but, uh, <laughs> just saying I'm thinking about it <laughs> I want to go back to, to and I don't know if this was actually part of our podcast conversation or our pre-podcast conversation but I'm going to I'm going to go back to something you said when, earlier today is that we cling so much to our teachers that we we replace God with our teachers. And I think that's that's the problem that we see here is, you know, there's been years and years and years of people clinging to what a pastor had taught them or what And they what, don't test it. Yeah, they don't test it. So we don't know. We don't we don't we've not studied it ourselves. So we don't we don't know if you, you know, know, and that's that's because a big we weren't thing. ever taught dietary. I can tell you, in the many many years that I've ever that I've been to, never once have I heard dietary restrictions preached. You know, no. during during a during a Sunday sermon, right? So that's where you know we've fallen away from discipleship, where that that might not be something that's taught on Sundays. But it's definitely something that would that should be learned through ecclesia or studying with other believers, studying the Bible and learning that stuff. But we cling so heavily to what we hear from what's being preached that we don't don't question it. We don't question it. it. Don't question it. So are you saying that I shouldn't eat bacon no more? I don't. If if I'm being if I'm being transparent, I I I. I didn't used to adhere to those instructions. However, when I tested it and tested the arguments that are given on, on why we should ignore them, I found all those arguments to be lacking. Right. So yeah, I'm, I don't break fellowship over it. I don't tell you you're not saved over it or anything like that. But at the same time, if we're, you know, if we have a practice and although that may be a minor issue, if we have a practice of shifting the line every time we don't like where he draws the that's line. That's where I was going with it, Carl. I think that's why we see this, this this major shift. A minor issue eventually becomes a major issue. And then we're arguing with pastors who are openly homosexual. 
about, you know, you know, it's all about grace. All I have to do is believe, right? Because that's what we're taught. Just believe, nothing else, no follow through, everything's okay. You're going to open that can of worms up? Okay. No, not necessarily, but I'm just saying, one one excuse can lead to another excuse. It's like being on center. I had it described to me like this once. You're walking down the center of the road, and it's a good place to be. All of a sudden, somebody moves the center line. Now you're to the right. Mm-hmm. And you think you're, okay, I'm back in the center of the road. Well, now they move it again a little further to the right. And you look back from the, where you are now further to the right, the center is a long way away from where you should have been. Yeah, a minor drift becomes a major drift with enough time and distance. Oh, I agree. As a pilot, you know, winds aloft are a big deal. You have to compensate for that or you won't, you can, you can put it in your equipment and if it's not, you know, ha, has a, a wind differential in it, you're going to go from point A to point B. You're not going to get to B because the wind is going to blow you to D, E, or F. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times that's how people run their lives. Well, I'm, I'm looking at B, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually headed over to, over to C and D. Right. And they don't even know it. I've been guilty of that. I just wanted to read something because I told that story about the devotion yesterday. And the other, the other verse that came up was, was, was um, Joshua chapter 22, verse five. And uh, we had just talked about clinging to him. Mm-hmm. And you use that word twice, cling to him. This is what that verse says. Uh, again, Joshua chapter 22, verse five. Be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of Yahweh, commanded you to love Yahweh your God. Notice that he links loving him with obeying him. Mm-hmm. That's important. Love Yahweh your God and walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and cling to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Cling to him. Mm. Something I'm learning to do. I think you continue to learn to cling. Uh, people in general, like goes back to the teaching, People, tr- the people you trust are the things you're going to take heart in. So if without that trust, how are you going to trust Jesus, God, to provide for you? People need to touch or feel or whatever it is they do to believe in what they're believing in. Mm-hmm. But only by faith. And that faith comes through trust. It's almost like a round robin. You can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion. I'm no theologian, but that's how I think about it. It's so hard to do sometimes when you're down and the world's beating on you. And you know, somebody I think and then I then I go to Job. My gosh, Job was beat to pieces. Mm-hmm. The most high allowed that to happen. And he never broke. I want to be Job. I mean, I don't want to be treated like Job. Give me, let, me, let me say that right <laughs> up front. But to have that faith and trust, wow. Mm. I bring up Job a lot because I, he's kind of a hero to me. The way he, he lived his life, no matter what, it was God first. And I want to be Job in that regard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? I want to bring it back and rein it back a little bit. And I, I do want to, I do want to emphasize that, you know, you've said it a lot and you're absolutely right. We're not perfect. No. Right? We're going to make mistakes and you are saved because he does the work for you and he loves you. Right. But there is a follow through. And that's really my focus on this is there's a very, there's a, 
it's it's becoming more prevalent, but there's a prevailing negative view of the law itself within the churches, a very negative view. You brought up Sabbath, Mike. There's a very popular pastor recently, and I was going to play the the audio, but I I don't think I'm going to. But he gave a sermon recently. Let's and he, do a silent second, and then you can insert if you want to. No, nah, it's all right. I'm not even going <laughs> to give him air time, but. Uh, he actually referred to observing, which, by the way, the Sabbath is the fourth commandment, and that's that's one thing I want to I want to emphasize too. Not all the law applies to every person. It's it's what's called jurisdictional, and what that means is some parts apply to certain people and other parts apply to other people. It the whole law doesn't apply to you. There's nobody listening to this. The whole law would apply to if you're not a priest. There's massive sections that doesn't apply to you. If you're not a Levite, there's massive sections that doesn't apply to you. Right. If 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 there's not a temple, there's massive sections that doesn't apply to you, right? That was that's always been true though, right? That's always been true, and and you know arguments can be made about certain sections like we've talked about with the dietary and stuff like that. But what you can't what you can't argue away is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was given written written on stone. We're going to get into that as this series moves forward, and those are for everybody. Written by the finger of God. Those are for everybody. And the fourth commandment is the Sabbath, right? And I understand having a different view. I don't break fellowship over that. But when you do what this pastor did and get on stage and say that obeying the Sabbath is a doctrine of demons. What? He called it that. He said that obeying the fourth commandment is a demonic doctrine. And How he can practically anything yelled from this. God Exactly. Demonic doctrine. Exactly my point. When your negative view of the law reaches the point where you're referring something that came from the mouth of the eternal father as demonic, there's a serious problem. Sounds like a Pharisee. We've, we've gone off the rails at that point. Yeah. He's leading people and, astray. And that's the and that's the thing where, you know I see unforgivable sin there. Yeah. It's or, getting close to it, I would say, at the very least. It would worry me. It would very much worry me. Or you know and and this is where in response to that, like we, we want to gnash the teeth, so to say at that, but our approach here is we, we very calmly disagree mm-hmm. and then we back up our disagreement with his word. Yeah. yeah. Right. For example, so three of you do, do not adhere to the dietary instruction. Yeah. I do. I was just going to, I was, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to use that as an example. Sorry. Um, when, when Carl first took on this, this lifestyle and his dietary restrictions, we were, I was having a barbecue or something and he said, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't eat just so you know, I don't eat pork anymore. I was like, why? You know, and he was, and he told me, he's like, I've, it's, it's been pressed upon me that it's biblically, we were told not to, there's certain dietary restrictions that we have in pork is pork is on more on the top of the list. And I was like, okay, like that's that. And I say that in, in my response and love, it, it wasn't a deal breaker for you. Right. And that, and also too, it's like, he can pull up the scriptures where in his, that to him, it's speaking and saying, Hey, this, this, this is where God defines. That's not right. And, but I wasn't heretic guy here with your guy here with your laws. You know, you're not welcome in my house. It's like, well, maybe this is something that I've can, I've learned to. And to further that, I looked into, and I'm actually to the point where I'm like, 
now in my life, like I literally eat less pork and getting to the point where it's like, really the only thing is bacon anymore. Like I don't like pork steaks anymore. I don't, I'm not a big fan of ham. And then I do more research and I find out there's actually health benefits to it. They, well, let's not go there. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> well, and, and not just from like bacon, trans fat and all that stuff. It's, it's like parasitic p- parasites. And mm-hmm. because they're basically, there's, there's a whole big, there's, a, there's so much learned. And that's what I'm trying to get to is there's so much to learn behind that. And if we approach that with such, with gnashed teeth, right. Then we, then we, then we miss the opportunity to learn and maybe adjust our lifestyle to something that's more biblical. Right. That's just, and then, so rounding that back to this is, this is, this is what playing devil's advocate is because I, like I said, I still eat pork. I still eat bacon and sausage. You say, I won't give up my bacon or my pork steaks. I like it too much. I've heard Christians say that. I, I will not do that. I'm like, if the most high tells you to, you won't. Uh, Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Exactly. If, if I'm convicted about it, then right. that's I, what I said earlier. I'm going to try to work on it. And there's still things that I'm convicted of right now that I haven't given or given, given, given up yet. He's going to work and, on the more important things you know what right. I mean? in your life. And yeah. there's things that, I mean, the way like, I, but the way I certain see, times, certain measures, God works on you in different ways. Right. Yes. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different, um, they're a different mile marker. Yeah. Right. I, you know, yeah. and that, and that to me, it's like, and that's what I was getting at was it's not so much what we were talking about. It's your attitude towards to what it. we were talking about. Yes. I will not do that. Yeah. It's really, just, are you going to look at God and say, I'm not going to eat that piece of bacon or I'm not going to, or I'm going to go buy something at the mall on Saturday and you tell me not to, you know what I mean? Like that's the mentality that we, that, that we have to get past as Christians. And I've, and I've heard more than one Christian say, I will not give up this. I will not give up my Saturdays. I will not. And I'm like, what well, you're not even open to discussion and studying it out before you just draw a line in the sand, I will not get out of my house. I will not have that here. No, we don't. We don't get to draw lines in the sand with him. Right. We no. don't. He gets to draw the line, and we we don't. You better get stand to, behind it. Yeah. Right. Be open to his voice and and recognizing. You know, all of our visions blurry. Right. As 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 fallen as fallen sinning imperfect people, our visions blurry, and we all struggle to see where the line is if we're being honest with ourselves. But when he starts to clarify our vision and points, we need to adhere to him and not demand that he adhere to us. That's right? one, whatever that's, that point that's may be. One of my be. prayers, Carl, is that he open the unknown in my heart to me, so that I can work on what he wants me to work on. Right. Right. And. I and I don't know. Fortunately, it hasn't been pork steaks. So, right. And I don't know if this. Don't is, challenge him. If this I don't right. want to. I'd never challenge God. No, I'm just I, thankful that's why that I never that's, asked for patience. <laughs> <laughs> I made that mistake yesterday. Uh, oh, I don't know. And 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 I don't know if this is the the correct place to put this in. Um, but also to. Is it not a sin to derail somebody else in their walk with God? Mm-hmm. So if that person across from you is telling you, I have biblical, I feel in my heart and I can define it with the word of God that I am not supposed to eat pork. Is that something worth derailing somebody else's 
faith for? No. no. Or, or is it just say, well, okay, well then you know what, then I have some chicken, chicken or some Turkey bacon to throw in your, you know what I mean? Like, it, is it not some not a sacrifice that we can make to better our walk with God, like and and show our love to, to you know to not to go out of our way to not like persecute that person, you know, like if somebody came into your church and said, "Well, I don't, I don't, I don't eat bacon," would you kick them out of the, or would you kick them out of the church, the church picnic? No. Or would you, or would, you, or would, or would a rather it say, or would you rather, okay, well then let's go find something at this church picnic for you to eat. Cause I'm sure there's not. And if there's uh, not brother, well, we'll I'm going to go, I'm going to go get something. something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've, that's, I've heard stories of messianic Jewish friends of mine that have, which means they believe in Jesus that have gone into churches and they've had, like demanded they eat something like a ham sandwich to prove they love Jesus. What? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Real stories of stuff like that. Right. And it happens on both sides too. Like yeah. from my perspective, you know, you know, I, what would what would the kingdom gain from me screaming pagan at you, Chris, because you eat bacon? And I see that. I see garbage like that all the time. And I'm kind of glad this, you know, not so much for the 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 main like what we're actually talking about, but the underlying the under the undercurrent of this is how to not see things the same way and remain brethren. You know what I mean? We're all talking to each other. We're all having a, a rational conversation and treating each other like brothers because we love each other. But I've seen on both sides of of the the Torah, the law issue, how the behavior sucks. I'm just going to say it on both sides. Like in one week, he kind of opened my eyes to how bad it is, really. Because I had, I had one person that claims to be a Calvinist that's very anti-law, a mainstream Christian, make memes of me on Facebook calling me a Satanist. A Satan lover because Anybody I knows you. That's not true. Because what his reason is because I obey the Father's commandments. He thinks that I'm a Satan lover because I do the Sabbath. But then on the opposite end of it, I had somebody that's it, it, like I, what I would consider more Torah extremist that said I wasn't one of his sheep because I suggested a simple book written by a Christian. Hmm. So I see you, you, although one is lawless and one is legalistic, the lack of love and behavior is identical. The one thing they have in common is their hate for the ones in the middle that they disagree with. And that's where, and you know, that's, and that's kind of my, my main point was if, if Jesus was our cornerstone in either one of those situations, if Jesus was your cornerstone, you would not have that hateful attitude towards it because you would be looking to reflect love. And, 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 and while there, I'm not saying like take everything and roll with it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's a time and a place to stand up and make a stance against something that, and it's really funny because I just went through this this week with some, with at work and I had a conversation at work that you are not supposed to have at work, <laughs> but I'm like, if, if this is what causes, this is what causes me to get walked out the door. This is what causes me to get walked out the door. Cause I'm, I'm, you mentioned it and I'm, and I'm, preface it with this is something we shouldn't talk about at work but you brought it up so i'm gonna talk about it right but you know there's a time for that stance but then there's also a time for well help me understand that let's walk through that together because like you said we've mike you we're not if you close yourself off to learning you'll never grow correct right so and me i i i don't judge anybody by their beliefs or it, even if they they don't believe in God, I don't judge you. I, I'll still love you no matter what. Right. And I'll never hate anybody for 
what they're doing or what they're led to do or anything else. Like you don't eat pork. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's what God's, you know, dealt with you on, Yeah, you know, and you, you might eat 10 pounds of pork a week. I don't, Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, that, that has nothing to do with me and my heart. Shouldn't affect your compassion toward people. Yeah. And, you know, people like that, I mean, you don't, you don't do that to people. If you have, if you have God, if you have Jesus, you have love for everybody. Right. And that's the thing. That's about our circle because all of us guys that have been together and hanging out and talking about, we might have different beliefs. We might have different outlooks on everything and we are completely on different levels all throughout the whole plane. Mm -hmm. And that's, we come together, we talk about our stuff. We might have differences, but we, in all in all, there's love there. We sharpen each other. Yeah. And that's what actually, ironically, that's what the legalist accused me of, of opposing is iron sharpening iron somehow. Like I mean, you don't know. That's my, that's my, you know, that's my tattoo <laughs> we, on my we, forearm. It, it reminds me every time I look at it, you know, you know, God and, is going to use the men and women in my life to sharpen me. Yep. You've got to be able to come together to sharpen each other. You, you know, imagine? to know why you believe what you believe. Like I can, you know, I can, I can lay it out and show you why, why I believe. And, you know, yeah. you guys can lay it out and show me why you do. And we would, we'd come together and we'd learn from each other on it because we're teachable. And that's, that's the the key. You need to remain teachable. If you want to protect your foundation and make sure that you're aligned with the cornerstone, you have to remain teachable and open. And even if, uh, even if you, even if you don't know what you believe in there, there's, that should not stop you from fellowshipping like this. Like, Correct. Right. Like I, and I posted it here a while back where, and, and where'd I'm, you post it on Facebook? I, we're not friends, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. So we're not friends either. Chris. Huh? I well, did. That was quite a call out. <laughs> Listen, okay. Here, here we come, Chris. Here we come. Okay. So, so here's Coffee the thing. Mike, we're not friends either. Here's so. the, all oh, well, busted. Salt, uh, sultry, sunny, send me a friend request. <laughs> so, I, that's, that's the thing is I stopped like pursuing, like, if people wanted to add me, uh-huh. okay, that's good. But I, so, and I only did this and I only took on that because I took on a leadership role at my, at work mm-hmm. and it was more or less told to me like that. I, I There was some people that I didn't want to add as my friends on Facebook. Like a teacher. Yeah. Well, because I knew what their life was and I didn't want that on, I didn't want that on, you know, like connected to you. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I get it. But then I was pretty much told, well, you are in a space, a space of leadership here. And they didn't really say you are required to accept everybody, but they kind of did say you are required to accept there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like HR was very good about tiptoeing around. So anyways, I just made the the notion of, I don't seek people out because it was funny. I went and added a, and the whole thing that brought that up, and this is getting way off subject. Yes, <laughs> talk, talk about was strange. I, was, I added, was I added a guy that I worked with, but I knew before I started working where I work, but then I did not add somebody that I didn't know. And that person got upset and was like, well, why didn't you add me as a friend? <sighs> <laughs> I kind of don't want you on my Facebook because the stuff you post on there is not very, but, but case in point, I added that person, I posted something and they made a comment that was completely 
inappropriate yeah. on my, and I'm like, you made it five minutes mm-hmm. and you posted something that is completely inappropriate on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm like, eh, so that's, and that's the only reason like I haven't pursued right. you guys on Facebook. So don't, don't is that the same it. reason you don't get into the text? The group text? Oh, dang. <laughs> Super call outs. I told you. Yeah, I told you. Shots fired. Shots I told, fired. I told you. I, that one. That Just one. calling y'all, Chris, because I, yeah. I want to further our brotherhood in Christ. Well, that, that and I, there's a little bit of the social anxiety aspect to it. To oh, that. I take pills for that. And and, <laughs> and, and it's something that's my cross to bear, and I work on it. But, like, even just four people in this room, it's like stressful stressful it is and i'm i try to you know and it's where i manage and like like the all like the broken conference you you don't know how hard and how long i prayed about that because like it but was, you did it i did it but it was all the way up until like the very day where i'm like is there a way i can get out of this mm-hmm. like i knew excuses yeah well and wasn't it you forgot your bible in the car or something you were just gonna yeah, like slip out, <laughs> slip out, and go like, "Oh, I was here," and then slip out. No, but so I forgot where I was going with that. With with that on. Fa- oh, so I posted something on Facebook a while back, and it it was actually one of the things that was so impactful when I heard it was um, that I actually that I actually had to make a was it a I think I had to make an a TikTok account just for long enough to be able to repost that. Then I deleted my TikTok because I can't stand TikTok. But it was it basically the guys, and I can't remember the guy's name, and, I, and I'm going to do a horrible job quoting him, so this isn't mine. But he looked at the camera, and he was on a podcast, and he said, I am sorry that if anybody ever told you that you had to have your life in order to come to church, I'm sorry for whoever's told you that because my life is in shambles and and has been in shambles and continues to be in shambles. But here I am. I'm fellowshipping and learning with my fellow Christians. So I'm sorry if anybody ever told you that you had to have your life in order before you can fellowship with other people. And that's that was kind of my point. It's a powerful statement. That you don't you don't even necessarily have to have a strong conviction. Like I, I do not eat pork or I will obey the Sabbath to learn God's law, to learn, to be in his word. And again, it goes back to that lack of fellowship. And we talked to, we kind of, and I know, sorry, you got, I've got it all pent up for like three weeks. You're all right. I got to get it all out. This is an extra, an extra long Chris's back episode. I'm excited. Yeah. So, so have we strayed from our topic? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll round it back. We'll be all right. Yeah, we'll, yeah. yeah. okay. We're well, good. That's, that's the topic. Strain. Yeah. I was making a pun. Sorry. Oh, I see. Oh, Very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I laughed. My, my, yeah, sure you did. <laughs> my attempt at being com- comedic was we, you know, we we measure, you know, we we measure success and we we look at something and we go, you know, I, I want that. God, I want that. God, I want this. God, I want that. And we never get those things, so we get mad at God. But what, what, because that young Christian has been told if you believe enough that God's going to, and this is where I kind of cringe when I hear it, because I know what's trying to be said is that God will provide everything that you need. Need, not want. Yes. But that also doesn't, that also 
doesn't necessarily mean that you need that you can just sit back in your easy chair and God's going to give you everything that you need. There's going to have to be some some action on your part, right? Mm. So where, you know, we when when we're not when a young Christian is not given those things, then they get resentful. Well, God's not blessing me or God's not giving me a success. He must not exist or, you know, him. And then, but because there was no discipleship, all that person is going, he's just going to church and the, the pastor's telling him, if you believe, if, if you pray hard enough and you, and you believe and you tithe and you do everything you're supposed to do, because everything that I'm telling you to do, then God's going to provide everything that you need. Oh, Okay. But then there's no actionality behind that because there's no discipleship. That person's not been taught the laws and how to live their life and how to to pursue that faith, right? You know, so, Carl, Carl, I was talking about blessings here a while back with Carl on a text, and and his his example hit home with me big time, and I haven't forgot it. Of course, he's done that with a lot of things with me, but he says we have to view our Father in heaven as we would our Father on earth. You take a little kid to a store. You remember telling me this? I do now, yeah. You take a little kid to the store, and the kid asks his mom or dad, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Do you buy that kid everything he points his or her finger at? No. Why? Because it's not good for them. Our Heavenly Father knows what's good for us. I think one of the one of the scriptures that's probably overused with young Christians is, when Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, automatically they, they go to, well, I'm asking for a Lamborghini, but I haven't got it. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. Do you need a Lamborghini? No. Do you want a Lamborghini? Yes. Well, God, God might give you a Toyota Prius. Okay. And I, I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's it's what you need, not right. what you want. I mean, I want a lot, a lot of things. Right. It's about asking in alignment with the Father's will, which what's, what's, we're going to get into when we get into Matthew right. 7. What right. is the Father's will? I'm going to take, take that analogy just a little bit further. I mean, I don't so, like Toyota, by the way, but anyway, right. anyway they're not a sponsor either. <laughs> it sorry, never will be now. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, that take that same kid and he's asking for this and asking for that. And you're telling him, no, 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 no. And that kid's resentful because, well, dad didn't, mom or dad didn't buy me everything that I, that, that I wanted. But then you look in that basket and there's bread and eggs and milk. Things they needed. Things. Yeah. And they don't see that, right? They don't. Cause yep. that, and that's, and that I was just adding to the analogy of, yeah, the, the kids being denying everything that he's asking for. But in return, he's getting everything that he needs. A roof, right? clothes, food. Right. So we safety. so so we see that fine line of, you know, where we are they see that as a given now. Right. They see that as something that should them. yeah. They're that, entitled that to that it. Right. Should be there no matter what. There's a good right. topic for a podcast entitlement right, right. there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, I mean you you, you you walk that line of of contentment versus complaint complacent right so we're supposed to be content with what we're given because we're given what we needed but we also we're not supposed to be complacent with that like we we're we're called to to use what we're given to his glory so but then at the same time 
you, you have to be thankful for what you do have. So you see that, and that's where we walk that fine line between complacency and contentment. Mm-hmm. Go on and preach, brother Chris. Sorry. Like I said, three weeks pent up, man. Oh, yeah. Don't give me any oh, more time off. Uh-huh. <laughs> no more time off for Chris. I will say, too, like. See, he's not done. Like, I told like, you. I knew he wasn't. That's why I waited. I can tell. The last couple, like the 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 the, the couple weeks before, you know. You quit the I, podcast? I went, on, I, went hi, I went on hiatus. I went on a respite. 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 Yeah. Respite. Pick one. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Respite, tomato, tomato, I think. yeah. Um, well, it's, I, you know, I, I said, well, I've been thinking about some things and, you know, and I think, and I think that's kind of taking the step back and, and, uh, to, to, and, and so I, all those things started coming to fruition. Like I said, we, we, we touched on the line shifting today and I just had a conversation, a very strong conversation about that the other day. And it's like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I didn't want to take time away, but in retrospect, it was the right move. Yeah, I, for for more than just for more than just one reason. Yeah, I think that's a good a good sidebar comment to make before we get back into our into our study today. Is you know you mentioned earlier, Mike. I don't think it was on. I think it was before we started recording about you know praying and just listening. Yes, just, just learning to be silent be sometimes silent. and just listen to his voice. And something that you had said in the last episode you were on before you you went on a break was that you know I don't know I'm just I, I'm reading the word I'm digging in and I'm asking and I'm just I'm just not getting anything, right? Sometimes I think he wants us to just take a step back, mm-hmm. to just stop, to stop doing things outside of our relationship with him and just spend time with him and just listen. And it sounds like that's kind of what he did for you mm-hmm. to just to just give you some time to just spend with him. And just listen again and hear his voice. And I think we all need to, we all need to, you know, going back to the Sabbath again, not to, I'm not harping on that, but, but I do believe, I do believe that's part of the purpose of that. Cause you to know, the, the, the Sabbath requires you to just stop, to just stop what you're doing, to stop the things you're pursuing, to stop the success that you're chasing after and to just spend time with him, So that's to just Sundays, acknowledge him and right? hear him. The Sabbath. Technically, it would be Saturday. Saturday. Saturday's Saturday. the seventh. That's why day. I didn't get yeah. into that because I mean, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of evidence that the early church worshipped both days. Oh, really? That, they, yeah, that yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, a lot of evidence that they 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 were probably in the synagogues. That, you know, before there was the the shift where they started butting heads because the first few decades they got along pretty well. The Jewish believers and 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 Messianic Jewish believers and Christians, Gentiles, they all worshipped together in the synagogues. That's probably when that they were when they were uh, hearing the word. Mm-hmm. Right here in here in the Torah because they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a a, a book in every Walmart right. <laughs> back then. You know what I mean? They, you know, you couldn't just buy a Bible at any corner corner market. You know, it'd be pretty right. rare. You had to go to the synagogue to hear that read. I think it right? was what three hundred ninety three seven three ninety seven A D before the actual books of the Bible, the sixty six that were proved out became the Bible. So up to that point, it was. I think it was later than that. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was quite a bit later. There was a lot of debate in the early church about what to include and what not right. to. I thought it was around 300. It was it, 1600s three, or something, whenever well, they th- finally. Now you might be talking about the actual first printed Bible. Yeah. 
because that would be the Gutenberg Bible. But anyway, that's a whole other. Yeah, debate. and they printed the canon. Yeah, you, I, you're probably right that there was there there was a canon that was very similar to what we have now around right. that time period, probably. But uh, like I say, he 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 wants us to just to just stop and and to just hear his voice sometimes, and I think we need to take that kind of kind of seriously. You know, we take seriously the fellowship with our fellow brothers and Christians, but how seriously do we take our fellowship and time alone with our Lord? Just to set, I mean, he created man in his image. You know, he would come down and walk along the Garden of Eden with Adam before sin. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying God's lonely. That's not what I'm saying. But he wants our fellowship. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's a lot of what is the problem with today's Christians. They go on Sundays, and then that's it. There's no relationship. Holy yeah. There's no actual searching for what God wants you to do for his will. Yes. For his will. And that's, uh, they think that Sundays are, are it. You go to church on Sunday, you celebrate, you know, worship Passover, you celebrate the Christian holidays. And that's, that's your relationship with God is you just, you do these things. You go to church on Sunday, you might go on Wednesday night, you might, do a couple of things, but there's no personal relationship with him. Yeah. And it's just a. Think what would happen if people would put the same effort into a personal relationship with our heavenly father through Jesus that they put into personal relationships here on earth Mm -hmm. that are short lived and will turn back to dust. Well, on that, on that note, um, because we will, yeah, I, I That's mentioned That's my it. way to get a segue into oh, it. It was perfect, yeah. Thank you. Because we will Stop trying talk. to draw us back into this Bible study, Carl. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop we're trying we're to, on one. Stop, <laughs> stop trying to keep the cop, the, the podcast on track. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I had mentioned how they, you know, there's evidence they probably worshiped on both days. We'll talk about that in a future episode. But I that's won't actually be here, a topic. <laughs> I might invite you back. That's actually a topic I want to get into a little bit, and it's 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 going to kind of... It, it's going to mesh in with something else I wanted to talk about or warn about. But coming back to that question, have we drifted from a biblical foundation, our relationship with him and seeking out his will, the will of the father. And we really need to look at what Jesus says, because if we're really his followers, if we're really devotees of Jesus, then we would hear what he has to say and apply it. Right. And his words, his words. Yeah. Yeah. He gives them good, good advice right off the bat in 15. Mm -hmm. Beware of false prophets. Yep. I mean, that's right off the bat. Yep. I didn't want to see your thunder because I know you're going to read it. No, 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 you're good. So, yeah. We're, and that's the To thing. answer this question, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And I'm actually going to start in verse 13. Chapter oh. 7? Chapter 7, yeah. What were you going to say, Sonny? Oh, just the, uh, the, the next couple of words uh, who come to you in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's the thing. The false prophets, they're... What are we, no married couple, Sonny? I start and you finish the sentence? I mean, it's just more okay. or less of like, you know... <laughs> I mean, inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. I yep. mean, you know, that's, I don't know. It, I I, I kind of, last night I ended up getting into this it, a little bit late because I always studied the night before. and So it's fresh? Yeah, so that's it's way fresh. I it. And, and I, I, I kind of got in my box a little bit about some of this stuff because I was just like, man, I'm not really... I'm not there, but I'm there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of in that little wishy-washy kind of going back and forth and trying to figure it out. So, 
You just had a different mile marker, as Carl would like to say. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we tend to think of Jesus, and it's. It, I think it's because of the way he's preached. Often, is he's just very soft and mild, and all the time. Yeah, he yeah. hits hard sometimes. Like it or not, yeah. there are times when he he's blunt and he hits hard. And there's he anger in the voice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's sternness. There's Rebuke. I, you know, I, I still always remember the, uh, where he went into the, what is it? The synagogue or the, the temple or wherever they were, uh, casting lots and the selling, temple. and he mm-hmm. turned over tables. Imagine. Whipped them too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. imagine. I'm glad you brought that up, Sonny. Because there's, there's anger in there too. Mm-hmm. It's not just love. It's. And I forget that sometimes. Yeah, there's, I think a, we all there's do. a time for a line in the sand. Yeah, there's a time for it. Yeah, you know, the reason I'm glad you brought that up. My son asked me a question. He said, "Jesus was without sin, correct, Dad?" I said, "Yes, he was." He said, "What about the time he went in there and flipped over the tables and whipped people? That was anger." Uh, yes, that's anger. He said, "Wouldn't that be a sin?" I said, "I don't believe it is, son. No." But I couldn't give him a good reason why it wasn't. So, so if one of you guys have got it, I'd like to hear it because I like my son to hear it. I, I think we touched on this, and this is this is just my opinion that anger itself is not the sin. No, it's what it's you do, with what the anger, you right? do with the anger is the sin. So we we all have. I mean, we're human, so we have anger in our hearts. But what we do with that is what is what is where the sin comes from. So that anger, that anger in, in, in for what was happening in the temple and then overturning the tables and punishing them for the wrong that they did was not sin. No, it was, it was the justification, the, the justifiable act to follow the anger. But what happens is nowadays is we get angry at something and then we misplace that anger, which then is the sin. Well, right? what what about? Or the we get angry over things that, and lash out in ways that we don't need to. And you said earlier in a sidebar conversation that we um, people have become to root for bad guys doing bad things, but for good reasons. Mm-hmm. What about the personal property that Jesus destroyed when he flipped over those tables? Now I agree; he was in the right. And I believe he is sinless. But for someone to ask me that question being, and not being able to answer it fully bothered me because did he destroy personal property? And if so, is that a sin? Well, I mean, they were they were there to take advantage of the poor. The whole reason they were there was the oppressed. To, you yes, they were they were they were selling what people needed to make their offerings. So they were they were using the system of the temple to take advantage of people and take their money from them. So it'd be no different than somebody. So, so no, you you relinquish. Like if 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 you get a if you, I don't want to get too far in the weeds because we're getting way off off topic. But <laughs> my but fault. Sorry. But you know if if you can have personal property, but if you get arrested because you commit crimes with that property, then it gets seized. Right. Like even into even in today's world. Right. It's no different. He was he was acting on behalf of of the law. Right. They weren't. They were in That's a great they were in violation it. of of the law. Not not man's law, the law, the law of God. 
And he was defending that. He was defending the sanctity of the temple and the sanctity of the standard that they were supposed to be adhering to, which does kind of go into what we're, what we're talking about today, the foundation, the proper foundation that they had drifted from. Thank you, Carl. That's for my son, Mike, out there. Right. And I think, too, also, and this, this is, again, I'm leading, you, I'm leading you astray on this one, but we're, we, we have, the, we have the, the account where Jesus turned the tables over and whipped, and, and, and whipped the people, but we don't, what we don't have is the full account of the aftermath. There's nothing to say, and I'm not saying this happened or didn't happen. But there's nothing to say that he didn't go back to that temple and all the tables that were broken in the process restored the tables, and or the our our some of his followers came together and rebuilt the temple tables. We don't we don't circumstantially we don't see that happening. We just see the portion that we needed to see of him, of him being. The in in latest terms, the long the the hand of the hand of law, right? We don't. Well, and it, to go back to Ahaz, we talked about Ahaz in the beginning. There were consequences. There's consequences right. for sin, and and Ahaz's consequence was losing his stuff. The Most High, as a judge, took his stuff, broke his table. He has no obligation to restore it. If you don't repent, there's no obligation to restore it. And Jesus is our judge. You know, we, we, we preach him as a lamb right and we forget there, that he's right. a lion. He's coming back as a lion and he's coming back to the earth to judge strictly. Read prophecy. It's, it gets rough. He's coming gets back rough, as a folks. lion. Yeah. What, where's that come from? Where's that at? I would have to look up verses on that. Yeah. Revelate, you know, he, he's, he's prophesied repeatedly as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay. So he's, he's, right. he's coming back as I, a king, I, as a conquering king. I that's see. what that that's what in, that analogy means. He's coming back to conquer and and to rule, to be our lord. I mean, he's not okay. actually going to show up with the main. I mean, well, he could show up any way he'd like. Well, but it, I'm just it, saying. it's not it's not even about that. It's about um, I read some things. I, okay, like I was actually going to order some pictures for the house, mm-hmm. and, and it had um, a silhouette of Jesus and crosses and a roaring lion. And it was really cool. And then, but then I thought about it, and the only verse that I could come up with was the devil comes as a roaring lion. And I was just like, eh, well, I don't want that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then I, I'm pretty sure you're saying that. And I'm just like, okay, well, here we yeah. go. Is Hang on. I'll look it up because I think you since it? you mentioned okay. that, it's important to, to bring it up. Sorry, I threw everything off. <laughs> no, you're good. I think this whole this whole episode is just more or less of an introductory <laughs> to what we're. <laughs> Welcome back, Chris. <laughs> we're gonna start talking about this. So, so your four parts gonna be a five part. Revelation chapter five verse five says, "Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed.' So it refers to him as the lion of okay. the tribe of Judah. Okay, so cool. That's what I was referencing. All right, awesome." All right, cool. Right on. 15? Are, are we still st- on 15? Have we even read 15? We yet? haven't read anything yet. <laughs> we, have, we haven't got to anything yet. All right, so yeah, Matthew chapter 7. I'm just going to read this. I'm going to read this out in two, two sections, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the context of it and evaluate what Jesus is telling us here and answering that question, have we drifted from a biblical foundation according to him? So starting in verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. 
for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Starts off with a stark warning. You know, there, there are very few people who are going to follow after me. Verse 15. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So this entire passage is a warning about false prophets, as he defines it. And like you said, Sonny, sheep's clothing, but ravenous wolves, they're claiming to be believers. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's important to to recognize that they claim to be believers and, and Jesus would have been defining false prophets based upon a biblical definition. Right. Mm -hmm. And in his day, what they had is what we call the old Testament, which is just whole Bible. That's a, that's a nitpick on my part. I don't like this, this blank page between Malachi and Matthew distorts our view of scripture. It teaches us that what's to the left of that blank page is irrelevant to us. And what is to the right is relevant. It's all relevant to your life. Okay, and the scripture that he was using to define terms was the old head. He was using the prophets, and consistently the prophets define a a false prophet as one who comes to the people claiming to serve the Most High and teaching lies to them mm-hmm. and leading them into rebellion. Now, for a reference, Jeremiah chapter fourteen verses thirteen through sixteen gives a really good definition of what a false prophet is. Verse sixteen: You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. So what is, what is fruit a metaphor of? Teaching. Teachings. Teachings. Actions. Actions. Yeah. The way they, I mean, the way they live, the way that they, you know, treat people, the way that they, you know, their behavior. Show their love, God. They love God and they do what they're supposed to do by God's will. Correct. What word? I think behavior is a very good word because it encompasses both of what you say. Because I think it's all, it's all true. What they teach and what they do, their general behavior, that's what the fruit represents. And he's saying you'll know them by their fruit. Mm-hmm. So, what behavior is he talking about? Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. He who does the will of my Father, he's speaking future tense here. So for the the argument that, and I've heard this, Jesus is only talking about the Jews before the cross. He's not talking to us. This isn't relevant to us. I've actually heard that. That's wrong. Jesus is talking to all of us. If he's your Messiah, then his words are for you. And he's talking future tense here. He's not saying that according to the standard right now, this is how it is, but I'm going to change it in a couple of years. He's saying in the future, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, to me personally will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does or works the will of my father who is in heaven, they'll enter. So it seems to require some sort of follow through. Right. And he, he further defines these false prophets. They'll claim to be believers because they're going to say, Lord, Lord, I was a believer. I was good. Did I not cast out demons in your name? Right. So uh, was this Yeshua? Yeshua? Yes. Yeah. His, his, his Hebrew name. Right. Yeah. It, it, it more, most likely would have been pronounced Yeshua. And then, and is my father the same? 
Jesus consistently refers to the Father as separate from himself. Right. Is that what you're asking? No. I I was my father in heaven. Oh, I see what you're saying. I I, I think I see what you're saying. They're, so he's framing this as if they're they're talking to him. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. So they're they're right. calling him Lord. They're claiming that he's the Lord of their life, but he's saying, You didn't do so, the will of my father, though. Okay. So would that be because it they replaced their names with Lord, right? I think what, what I I believe what he's referring to here is they're claiming that he was the Lord or the ruler of their life. Right. But he's saying your actions, your fruit proved otherwise because you didn't do the will of my father. Okay. So, so what Jesus is telling us here is that him serving as Lord of our life, he, he shows us how to apply the will of the father, okay. what the will of the father looks like. If you follow Jesus and do as Jesus did, then you're doing the will of the father. But if you just say, Lord, Lord, give him lip service, but you don't actually do the will of the father, you don't really belong to him because you never followed him. Right. Is sort of what he's saying here. Okay. And that, that, that really, you know, defines, defines what I want to get to in this study is, you know, we want him as our savior. We want him as our rewarder. We want him as our blessing giver. Do we accept him as our Lord though? Right. We want things from him. We ask him for things and we ask him for blessings and we ask him for forgiveness, but are, will, are we willing to take up our cross and actually follow him to actually do the things he did and apply the will of the father? And he's saying these false prophets did not. He's saying that when you evaluate the fruit of these people, they're not applying the will of the Father. So it's really important to understand what's the will of the Father then, right? Because that's, that's just a vague term. He's setting this up. He's setting the stage here so that you'll understand. And he's, he's being very, very clear, right, about uh, how serious this is. He's establishing the seriousness of this. You know, he, he warns that at the, at the beginning, very few are going to apply what I'm about to say because they're not going to like it. Very few are going to apply this. And then he warns about the false prophets or the false teachers that are going to lead people astray, lead people away from that biblical foundation. He goes out of his way to talk about their fruit or their behavior. And then he says, they'll give me lip service, but they're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven because they didn't apply the will of the father. So he sets the whole stage here. And then he says this, many will say to me on that day, so they're excusing themselves here. Right, They're explaining why they should be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? What's really interesting here, nowhere in the text does he deny that they did these things. Nowhere does he say you're a liar, you didn't do any of that stuff. He never says that they didn't actually perform these miracles which tells me signs and wonders performed in his name prove absolutely nothing. Saying the signs that you perform, the miracles that you perform mean nothing if you're not applying the will of the Father. The will of the Father is first and foremost. Signs and wonders should follow that. But they're saying the things that we did are good works. Are good, yeah, well, well possibly. Possibly, But, yeah. you know, the, the, the stuff that brought them praises, that they claim brought him praises, this should get me entry. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Scariest words in all of scripture, in my opinion. I agree. Mm-hmm. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So would it be safe to say the theme here is bad fruit, 
right? Those who, who exhibit bad fruit or bad behavior. And he says that they're not entering the kingdom of heaven because they didn't do the will of the father that was in heaven, right? The will of the father in heaven. And then he says that they're practicing lawlessness. So would it be safe to, safe to conclude here that he's linking our behavior with the law, with the will of the father? Because he says that they're not applying the will of the father and then calls them those who practice lawlessness. I think that's very important. We gloss over this. We consistently gloss over, which is why I've seen it argued that this isn't for us. He's not talking to us. But he's talking future context here, right? He is talking to us. He's talking to the whole world. This one sucks. It puts me in my box. <laughs> it's tough. It is. This and, is one of those occasions where he gets real brawl. Yeah. And this is kind of one of those deals where, you know, because I've never casted out a demon, never done wonders. I've never done miracles. And, you know. Um, well, the comfort to that is I, he's saying that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> but then, you know, I mean, am I going to be told I never knew you? You know what I mean? That was the thought that came to my mind too. You know, am I, am That's I, the last thing I want to hear. You know, and you know, that kind of makes you wonder if, you know, am I going to be, am I going to, am I right? Am I right for doing the things that I'm doing? And I don't, I don't, I don't like wondering that. <laughs> I don't like wondering that at all. No, it's not a fun thing, but you know, I think what Jesus is telling us here is we need to seriously evaluate our fruit. Yeah. We do need to seriously evaluate our fruit based upon how he defines it. Now, that phrase, practice lawlessness, it's really important to break that down and what, what he's actually saying there. Practice there is ergazomai, and it means to work at or acquire by labor, is what that literally means. Lawlessness there is anomia, and it's the negative form in Greek of the Greek nomos. The reason that's important is because in the Greek Septuagint, so in in Jesus' day, a couple hundred years before, before he was born, they had translated the entire Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, into Greek, because that was the common tongue then. So they translated it into Greek, and they called it the Septuagint. Every time you come to the word Torah in Hebrew, which is, it's always, Torah is always a reference to the biblical law. That's why I referenced that last week when I talked about Isaiah 24, and he said that the whole world is judged because they, 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 uh, a work against the law. That word there is Torah. So he's 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 applying the Torah to the whole world when he comes back, according to Isaiah twenty four. And he's Jesus is telling that telling us this here too, because every time you come to the word Torah, the word they used in Greek to translate it was nomos, every single time. So with that understanding, what Yeshua is saying here, what Jesus is saying here is that I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who work against the law, you who work at disobeying the law. So this isn't about him saying if, you, if you're imperfect or you make mistakes or you get snared by, by sins because of your weakness that I'm going to say I never knew you. That's not what he's saying here. I think it's important to highlight that based upon what you said, Sonny, because yeah. this, this, this isn't something that we should come to and say, I'm hopeless. He's not stealing your hope here. That's not what he's doing. He's not talking about those who fall into, into sin 
to make that, that make mistakes. He's talking about those who outwardly work against the law and convince others to do the same. Right. That's what he's warning well, about. Well, I'm here. just saying, you know, like people that are, that aren't that far into the scripture mm-hmm. would read this and feel hopeless. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would feel complete and utter just condemnation. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're condemned. You there's no hope for you at all. Because kind of, you know, I'm not that far into it, you know, without you saying that and being able to back it up, I felt like it was done. Like, there's no hope. That's why this, what what we're doing is so important. Sharpening is so important. And so, you know, and, you know, I mean, I'm not working against God. So, I mean, I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm battling him with my own demons, you know what I mean? My own stuff, but I'm not trying to dis or, you know, mislead anybody or try to, you know, be any other way than just I'm here, I'm learning, I'm doing what I need to do to try to better myself. Correct. But, you know, that's these hard, hard scriptures here. This is like where that real dark, meat comes in mm-hmm. and like uh bob told me the other day he was just like buddy you're still a babe on a bottle <laughs> <laughs> i was just like yeah i know i, I know <laughs> the sort of person that if if i was the sort of person this is if i came to this this is when i would be really worried if i was the sort of person that when somebody brought up the fourth commandment to me, I said, that's a demonic doctrine. I would be worried. That's the sort of person that Yeshua is talking about here. The sort of person that when they come to commandments that they don't like, they're so ravenous, they're so ravenously opposed to those commandments that they're willing to call them demonic and convince others to follow them in that error. What's the motive behind that though? I, you know, I don't know. Only they could answer that question, but ultimately the motive, it's kind of irrelevant, you know, because the, the, the outcome is what, what matters here. And they're, they're outwardly working against the will of the Father as Jesus is defining it. He gets to define it. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. He's our lawgiver. He's our judge. He gets to draw the line. No one else does. And he's defining the will of the law, or I'm sorry, the will of the Father here as as. He's he's defining the antithesis of the will of the, of the Father here is, is working against his law. Right? That's how he's defining it. I didn't write it. I didn't say it. Jesus right. did. Our Messiah right. said this. He, he framed all of this up, and he's the one that said it, and he said it in very blunt, harsh terms that you, mm-hmm. you really can't misconstrue what he's saying here. You know, the only way you could explain ignoring this is to say he's just talking to Jews. I don't have to listen, which is mainstream theology about how we handle this text. He's just talking to Jews. It's not for me. Is that is that the case? He's talking future context, which would be in a new covenant context and saying in the future, beware of false prophets. They're going to come to you as if they serve me. But inside, they're like wolves and their fruit is is working against the will of the father because they work at disobeying the law. That's what he says here. And then he goes into this next section I want to get into about foundations. And that's why I picked this, this out to lead off this foundation study. In verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. First off, I just want to pause and say, whenever you come to the word therefore, always ask, why is it therefore? 
what comes after therefore is always in relation to what came before it. Right. So he, again, he defines the will of the father as, as applying what he says, as seeking to obey him. That's how he defines the will of the father here. And those who, if you, who can sincerely call him Lord and say that you were Lord of my life, if you sought to apply the will of the father, he's saying that that person is compared to one who built their house on a rock. That's what he's saying. Jesus being that rock. Yes. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it. It had been founded on the rock. It didn't shift because it was built on a solid foundation as he defines the solid foundation, not as we choose to define it. Everyone who hears these words of mine, this verse is very important. Everyone who hears these words of mine, what he just said and does not act on them. So like the false prophets who call him Lord, Lord, but then work against the law. They will be like a foolish man who built their house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. Now he's defining, you know, let's go back. We, we talked about the three elements of a solid foundation. And we'll, we'll wrap it up because we went really long. We had a lot of sidebar conversations. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Location, design, material. Three elements of a solid foundation. And the way Jesus defines this here, the location is the faith. Faith in him and his words, what he teaches. He says here, everyone who hears these words of mine. So that's how he defines where you're building the location you build on are his words. So what he teaches, right? That's where you choose to build. He's the cornerstone, right? We've already established that, that Jesus himself is the cornerstone. So we, we build on the location of his words and his teachings, and we align our building project to him as the cornerstone. So we seek to be in alignment with those teachings. And the material is building and applying those teachings, Right? So believing what he taught, believing in him and aligning ourselves to the one who taught it, and then applying what he taught. Those are the three elements of a solid biblical foundation. Do we have one? Or are we off center? I know for me, if I'm being honest, I'm not squared. I can, I can identify things in my life that I'm not squared. I'll be honest. I'm trying. I'm striving. I'm not working against his law. Right. I'm not I'm not working at disobeying and convincing others to do the same, but I'm not squared right. And he's saying this is really important. We need to seek to be squared and we need to we need to seek to be applying what he taught. And I don't think we are. I think too often we build theologies around disobeying him, which is what leads to pastors like I was reason I referenced that is because it leads to pastors like that ravenously calling his commandments a doctrine of demons. And that's that to me, that's just that that is that is case in point what he's talking about here, identifying the fruit of someone who claims to be a believer but exhibits the, the fangs of a wolf because they don't like what the Father says. They like all the stuff we get. They like all the blessings, but they don't like the expectations and the follow-through, and that's not good. Now, we can disagree on how the follow-through applies. We, already, we had a you know, real long conversation on what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But we need to not be ra- ravenously against what he says, though. There's a big difference between having disagreements and how it applies and just hating the idea that, that he should get to draw the line for us. 
Again, it's about control, I think. I agree. You know, our society teaches you're in control of your destiny. That is beating to every young kid out there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be anything you want to be. Uh, what you want to be. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, that's true. I mean, God will actually even give you the blessing of being what you want to be. Right. I mean, he will. Right. He, he will give you that as long as you use it for him. Mm-hmm. And you're in a yeah. line with him. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's it. You can have dreams. You can have things that you want, and he will give them to you as long as, you know, it's in his will. But I mean, you have to, you have to want it for the right reasons and wanting it for a reason to be able to bless or further his knowledge or further his word or further you know his existence in the world then i would say yes he would give you pretty much anything that you ask for yeah you know i want to read this next section real quickly before we go into our final thoughts because i think it's important to end with hope because he's not he's not taking hope i can't stress that enough right he is our living hope he's our hope and he has a name Right. He also has a standard, you know, he loves us dearly and, and, and he wants to save us and he wants to have a relationship with us, but he's also holy and we need to take him seriously and not work against him, not actively work against him, but he's willing to come and meet us where we're at. And it's interesting to me that right after this exchange, we have this starting in chapter eight. And again, remember, this is a this is a letter originally. There weren't chapter breaks, so it creates a it creates a distinction here that didn't exist originally. So this was just one flowing narrative, right? So we go straight from him warning about this, about building a, a an unstable foundation, and then it says in chapter eight, verse one, when Jesus came down from the mountain. So right after this, large crowds followed him, and a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, "Lord, if you are willing." You can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, I think it's important to understand the context of society at that time because you didn't touch a leper. Nope. They sent him away in colonies, you know. This leper probably hadn't had human contact with somebody in years. He had probably experienced most people in all likelihood made a wide berth around him. Mm-hmm. Not only wouldn't touch him, but wouldn't come anywhere near him. Wouldn't get close enough to talk to him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this leper comes up and falls at Jesus' feet and says, if you're willing, I know you can clean me. And the first thing Jesus does before healing him is reach out and touch him. And touch him. It says, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He's not saying that if we have uncleanness within us, if we have the uncleanness of sin within us, that we're gripped by it and bondaged by it, that he's not willing to reach out and touch us and cleanse us. That is not what he's saying. What he's saying is that when we grip onto our sin as the Father defines it and refuse to let it go, just rebelliously refuse to let it go and tell him no, and then come to him in heaven and demand entry, He's saying you won't come in. If that's how you live your life, you won't come in. But if you come to me with your uncleanness 
and you fall at my feet and you say, if you're willing, you can help me let this go. You can take it from me. Then he'll reach out and he'll touch you and he'll take it. He will. But we can't be like these false prophets and their followers and think that we can have it both ways, that we can have one foot in our sin and one foot in our salvation because he's saying you need to be all in. At some point, you need to fall at his feet and you need to jump all in. And we have to abandon these doctrines and these theologies that teach us that it's okay to keep our foot in our sin because we don't define it as sin anymore. The Father didn't change the definition. We did. We don't get to draw that line. Only he does. And we need to be real serious about, about the follow-through of our salvation and allow him to define our walk and not our pastor. As much as I love, our, I, I, I love my pastor, right? I'm not, I'm not, and I'm sure you love yours. I'm not saying to disrespect them. I'm not saying to break fellowship. It's okay to disagree. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own walk. And you need to take that walk seriously. And you need to study and you need to seek him, you need to inquire of him, and you need to allow him to define your walk. No one else. That person's responsible for their walk, you're responsible for yours. You can help each other along the way, but you need to be willing to fall at his feet and say, cleanse me, because this isn't good. Let's pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts. Well, to everybody listening out there, this has been no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need no final thoughts after that. <laughs> um, now, I guess I'll go first since I've been pretty vocal and still in the spotlight today. <laughs> oh, man. I, I knocked my... Hold on. Sorry. I went to itch my beard and I, just to make Carl mad. You're a mess, man. I am. I'm, I, it's like I've never done this before. <laughs> Um, so it's funny you mentioned faith earlier and how much, how much inspiration we get from our children. And so in, in thinking about foundations and stuff, I was playing with Abigail and one thing Abigail likes to do is build forts. So you get, get all the cushions and blankets and everything and build forts in the in one of her favorite so living room's the favorite because we have recliners and the way our sectional are not sectional but love seeing and and so far to each other she can put the legs out and that creates like arms for the blank you know and everything and so <clears throat> long story short she she's working on one and one of the cushions gave way and as you know, in, in pillow forts and go, if one gives way, they all go. And she was pretty devastated and she'd worked pretty hard on this one and she was devastated and she starts crying. And uh, it took me so long to build that. And I said, well, I said, well, so, and the good thing about it is, is it can be rebuilt. So if ever your house crumbles, it can be rebuilt. And the good thing about it is now you know what was wrong with it to rebuild it. Yeah. And it can be rebuilt over and over and over and over as many times as it needs, as many times as it takes. And each time it'll be stronger for it because you'll know what not to do. Yeah. The one thing that will never crack is the cornerstone. He will never crack. He will never break. He will never crumble. Yeah. And he's always there. That's all I got. 
That was pretty good, Chris. I got nothing on that. <laughs> that sums up the entire conversation today. Very well, actually. I don't think I can build on. Aha. Pun intended. There it goes. Yeah. <laughs> There's your contribution. Yeah. I can't build on that. <laughs> so thanks for having me. Oh, um, I mean, I just kind of go off what you said, Chris. It's more or less, you know, this is, I'd say, say my third or fourth time rebuilding, you know, um, you know, even though, you know, I didn't, I didn't lose everything this time. I, I had to, it, it all fell down and I had to rebuild off of, of, uh, you know, Jesus, God, what little I did know, what little I did learn. And, and, um, uh, you know, this is the first time in my life without, uh, you know, being locked up or, you know, cooped up in a cell that I've actually sought out God while I'm out in normal everyday life. Um, you know, I've had a couple of years um, seeking God while I was uh, behind bars, but, you know, this is my first go around that I've been doing it for me, for him, and, um, you know, doing it, doing it differently, doing it for different reasons and trying to understand where I went wrong before. Um, and, you know, the Matthew 7, 13, um, you know, the narrow gate, um, you know, I've always held on to that. I've always, I always knew that there was a narrow path, narrow way. And, um, you know, the biggest thing is, is that, um, me, I, I tend to hold on to some of my ways that I've acquired through, you know, life through the world and everything. And I already know that he wants me to, to get rid of those. And, um, my, he's, he's beating me up over him. <laughs> he's beat me around for him. And, uh, you know, that's, that's been my, my past few, few months has been trying to, he's trying to mold me a little bit more and I'm okay with it now. I wasn't okay with it for a while, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's coming down to a fact of, you know, I'm understanding that punishment, it's not, I can't say correction. Punishment. Correction is is okay. I I need to be corrected. I need to be harped on about some of these things, and you know they're they're uh, they're not easy to deal with. They're not easy to accept. But um, you know, through just a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and a little bit of, I guess, you know. He's making me a little humbler to understand that these are these things are okay to to feel. Yeah. These things are okay to deal with. And it's been a slow but yet steady process and and uh 
you know, there's, there's sometimes to where I don't understand the word. I don't because like, you know, I read this and I felt, I felt lost. I felt like it was going to be like, I'm never going to be good enough. But then, you know, you came with different scripture and different meaning and, you know, different ways to look at it. And then, you know, then it was just like, oh, well, see, I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it. And then, and that's a huge thing is to be able to have brothers or sisters or others that are further along than you to be able to say, hey, it's not that way. It's this way and say, okay, well, maybe I felt wrong about that. Maybe I didn't see it in that context. And I think that's a huge part. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm taking out of this right now today throughout everything that happened. That one thing is from, you know, I never knew you that, that hurt me like that hit me. And then I've felt hopeless and like it was, I, I wasn't enough. Like, again, we go back to, I'm not enough. Yep. And, but then you, here you come with the little bit more, just a little bit more detail. And it comes down to, no, I am enough. And he loves me and he cares and he's correcting me. Yes. And that's just, just that little bit of everything that happened today. That's, that's what I'm getting out of it. That's my final thought. Two things you expressed is you're you're recognizing the correction and you're willing to receive it. And that's really what he's looking for. Open hand. Yes. You need to recognize his discipline and be willing to receive it. The problem with these false prophets that we read about is they're unwilling. Right? They recently, and I worry, they, I worry that 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 attitude is encroaching in the churches too. That's why that's why I felt pressed to 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 do this today, because I, I are we recognizing his discipline? And even if we did, would we receive it? Or would we make excuses for ourselves? They took a poll recently. There's a pastor's poll in America. And they asked questions to identify their biblical worldview. So once they established if the pastor was had a, um, had a, a biblical view, if they, if they had a, uh, if they were grounded in scripture, if they believe that, that scripture was their authority, then they separated those pastors out, right? The ones that, that believe that the Bible was the basis for their faith. So then they only, they only applied, what I'm saying is that the results of the poll is only relevant to them. They cut the other ones out. And then they asked them, how do you measure success in your churches? How do you decide if your church is successful? The top two answers for those, the, for those pastors that had a, a biblical worldview. Number one, attendance numbers. If the attendance is high, we're successful. Number two, tithe revenue. Mm. If we have enough tithe, if we have a lot of tithe revenue, we're successful. I didn't, I didn't hear bringing people to Jesus in there. Shouldn't that have been the top one? Do you know what wasn't even top five? Discipleship. How, how well people are being discipled and if lives are being changed, that wasn't even in the top five. It was all about numbers and worldly success, bringing people in front of them and getting them to put money in the plate. Top two answers. And what worries me about that 
is what worries me about the story of Ahaz. Has success blinded us? Have, have we reached the point at which our success and his, his, his slowness to, receive his, to remove his blessings from us has blinded us to his discipline of us? Are we not receiving correction because he's a good father and he doesn't want to punish us? I worry because we're not hearing him, I don't think. We're not hearing his words and we're not building square to the cornerstone. When I was in boot camp, at one point I was made a squad leader because I could answer questions, right? I could memorize stuff easy. I've always been able to memorize stuff. So they, like, they quizzed me and I answered all the questions. So they made me squad leader. But they're obsessed with marching, man. Like it, it always blew me away. I never understood it. Like you join to, to, to fight wars and it's all about marching with each other. It's like all they cared about just always frustrated me. And I couldn't ever get in step. Like I didn't realize I was out of step, but I was always just a little off to the point where I got sent back to the end of the line. And I never could get it fixed, man. Like I never could fix that. I was always just a little bit out of step with the crowd. I haven't thought about that in years. And he hit me with that the other day and he gave me a a lesson in it. Sometimes when we are called to walk in alignment with the father's will, like Jesus teaches us, we're always going to be a little out of step with the crowd. We're going to find ourselves outsiders a lot might even get sent back to the end of the line because it makes the bad shepherds angry (laughs) that we can't get in step with everybody else. (laughs) And I think we really need to ask ourselves, who are we in step with? Are we in step with the will of the Father the way Jesus defines it for us? Or are we seeking to be in step with the crowd because that's more successful? We need to answer that question real seriously. And we need to get in step with the Father. Otherwise, we run the risk of being guilty of what Jeremiah warns us about in chapter 22, verse 21 of his prophecy when he says, I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your practice from, from your youth that you have not obeyed my voice. I don't know what else to add. I think that's my final thought. All right. I'm glad I'm, I'm staring at Chris now because he's our intro right. guy. <clears throat> yeah. So, All right. To everybody on the other side of the mic, thank you for joining us today. And we hope that you found a solid piece to put in your foundation. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us on Facebook, Broken Record Ministries, or our f- email, Broken Record Ministries at gmail.com. Ooh, Remember the Gmail. Yeah, you did good. <laughs> Again, this has been a publication of Broken Record Ministries, and we will catch you on the flip side. God bless. Bye-bye.